This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. We're in Acts chapter 10. A while back we had an evangelist who reminded us that every saved person has a story. Every time we have a baptism here in this morning, uh, or this morning we're going to be privileged to see uh, another believer uh, take that step of obedience. But each time we get to hear another one of those stories. How God worked. How God led us to saving faith. Now, a vital part of the story, and oftentimes a part that's known only to God, is what God is doing before a person is saved to draw that individual to himself. You probably don't know all the pieces to the prelude to your salvation. You don't know how God worked in hearts to share the, wit- the gospel with somebody who shared the gospel with you. Okay. It really is remarkable, and one of the wonderful things about heaven is we're going to get to learn those stories, and I think the king of kings is going to smile and say, and so let me fill in the rest of the pieces. Recently, uh, Brother Barney Hall and I had the opportunity to be on Sea Hope, uh, uh, vessel that is working in the Caribbean. Uh, we support the skipper, Captain Buddy Purrier. Uh, it's a small ship, and I learned over the last couple of weeks God has not called me to be a sailor, okay? <laughs> I am quite convinced of that, and uh, as I shared Wednesday night, God has given me a lot of respect for you sailors who go out there for months and do what you do. Uh, but Uh, One of the new crew members, uh, along with myself, was a fellow pastor who's now an evangelist. Uh, His name is Larry Brinker, and Larry is also a missionary pilot. In fact, he is close friends uh, with uh, the missionary we support with Wings as Eagles, Terry Rushing. They're close friends, but one afternoon we were sitting on the bridge together, and because of Uh, His knowledge of aviation and the computers, the GPS, all of that, autopilot, uh, he had uh, gotten uh, instruction from the captain on how to run those systems on the bridge so that the captain and others could rest. And so I was his partner up there. It was just the two of us on watch, okay? And so we're up there watching what's ahead of us, and just fellowshipping. And he was telling me about his ministry and and some of the pilots that he works with. And uh, one of the pilots that he just mentioned, he goes, well, you know, Terry Rushing, and then there's there's this fellow named Jacob Felmuth, and he mentions, and I I said, say that again? He said, I said, did you say Jacob Felmuth? He goes, yes. I said, well, let me tell you about Jacob Felmuth. I had the opportunity to lead Jacob's dad to the Lord many years ago. Um, was in uh, a denomination that didn't believe the gospel. 
And one night, visiting at their house, uh, I got to take his Bible and lead him to Christ. And I've gotten to watch. Uh, his, his wife had just been saved. He got saved. I got to all three of their sons came to Christ, went off to train to serve the Lord. And today, one of those boys is a pastor and a missionary aviator. He's like, that's amazing. So I got to give him some of that prelude to what God did in Jacob's parents' lives and then how God used that to bring Jacob to Christ. Isn't God amazing? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's you and that's me. And he is pursuing you to save your soul. He loves you. So today I believe the Lord would have us see that God is working behind the scenes to draw every soul to salvation. This means that he is working behind the scenes to draw every soul to saving faith in him. Now, as he does that, he is simply fulfilling the commitment that he's made to mankind. John 12, 32 says this. Jesus said to the disciples, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Does God keep his word? Is God doing this right now on planet earth? Yes or no? Absolutely. And in fact, if you're not sure you're on your way to heaven, your presence in this service this morning is perhaps part of that prelude where God's drawing you to himself. So in our context, this also means every person who is not a Jew. In Acts chapter 10, uh, folks have been uh, saved, thousands have been saved in these early chapters in the book of Acts. Uh, by far, most of them are Jews. We've gotten to learn about an Ethiopian who was a government official under Candace the Queen there in Ethiopia, and Philip leads him to the Lord. But now the Lord is going to save a Roman officer, a centurion, by the name of Cornelius. And I wish we had time to go through the whole story this morning, we don't, uh, but the details here are important, and we're going to get to look at the prelude to this man's conversion. So I've entitled the message, Prelude to a Conversion. And as we study Cornelius' life, here's the reality. There was a prelude, if you know Christ, there was a prelude that led up to you becoming a Christian. So look at Acts chapter 10 and verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea... Now, this is the provincial capital of Judea, okay? This is where the Romans uh, had built their capital. There were other Roman cities around Judea, Palestine, but this city, uh, a great city by the Mediterranean, this is where the main governance was happening in Israel at the time. And his name was Cornelius. Now, who was this man? Read on, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Now that word band is actually Italian. Together, if you look at the original, it's, it's the word for cohort. What does that mean? Uh, we would have, uh, he, this man would have had the modern rank of captain. He was over a hundred men. He was a non-commissioned officer 
who had acquired his rank through meritorious performance on the battlefield. So Cornelius, in order for him to have this position, he was a warrior. He had seen bloodshed. There's even a chance that some of that bloodshed was him fulfilling orders to bring Palestine under Rome's control. A cohort was made up of six centurions, so he's over a hundred, along with five other centurions. And so there in Caesarea, there was a force of 600 men. They were there uh, probably as the guard for the capital city. They were a self-contained fighting unit. Now, this cohort was the Italian band. What does that mean? It's made up of native Italians who provided security for Caesarea. These guys are all from Italy. They're all native Italians. Now, what is important to know is that Cornelius was seeking God. When you think of a warrior, a Roman officer, your, your mind doesn't go to a spiritual man necessarily. I would challenge you sometime to go back through the New Testament and do a study of the centurions in the New Testament. They're an amazing group. And, and one of the things I look forward to doing in eternity, Pastor Coles, is sitting down with those centurions and just letting them tell their stories. Many of them came to the Lord, including, I believe, the centurion who was over the crucifixion of Christ. What was his confession? Indeed, this man is the son of God. And so, what can we learn as we begin to study Cornelius' life? Well, here's what we learn. First of all, God knows your seeking. God knows your seeking. Verse 2, he was a devout man. And we see this devotion, How? Well, notice, and one who feared God. Literally in the Greek, this is he was a God-fearer. Now, that's not just a description of him. This was actually a title that Jews gave to Gentiles who had turned away from their idols and were seeking the God of Israel. They called them God-fears. It was a Jewish designation. If a Gentile forsook idolatry, observed the Sabbath, followed dietary laws, he or she could attend synagogue services. Now, they had to sit in the back, but they could attend. So what does this tell us about Cornelius? First of all, he had the right God. That's amazing. He had rejected the Greco-Roman mythology and all these pagan gods. In fact, the end, of verse, the end of the verse says, and he prayed to God always. Write God and he prayed consistently, regularly to God. It goes on to say that he was a devout man with all of his house. What does that show us? Well, this God fear demonstrated right guidance. He is leading his family to pursue the God of Israel. Again, where do they live? Caesarea. 
it's a pagan city. There's all kinds of things happening in that city. I'll just be blunt. It's rotten. Like other Roman cities. The games, the circuses, the bloodshed, it's Caesarea. But this man is causing his family to pursue God too. And so he's given the right guidance, good leadership for his family. The scripture says he also gave much alms to the people. Well, what people? The Jewish people. So he is there to dominate, maintain control of the Jews. And what's he do? He's giving to help their needs. Who is this guy? This reveals he was generous in giving to the needs of the Jewish people. So he had the right giving practices. Now, any pastor would say, I would love to have this guy in my church. Right God, he's given the right guidance to his family. He gives faithfully, and by the way, he prays all the time. In 2023 America, you know what we would think about this guy? He must be saved. Do you know what Acts chapter 10 is going to show us? In spite of all these things, this guy is really lost. He's lost. He is not on his way to heaven, which means he is on his way to hell. So Cornelius reminds us that we can do many wonderful works for the Lord, but not go to heaven. For by grace we're saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man or woman should boast. You don't get to heaven because you were like Cornelius and you did all these things to please God. It's the gift of God. It's not from our works. People can do many wonderful works and stand before Jesus in eternity and hear, I never knew you. So this means devout God fears we may know may not go to heaven. Now this, this grips me as a pastor of a wonderful church like this. Heaven is going to be wonderful in so many ways, but it, there's, there are going to be those sobering times when we come to realize who is not there. You say, can that really happen? Yes, Jesus had 12 disciples, and one of them was a betrayer. On the very night that he betrays, the other disciples don't have a clue who Jesus is talking about when he says, one of you is going to betray me. You know what that means? He was casting out demons too. He was evangelizing. He participated in their praying. All of those things. But he hadn't believed on Jesus as Christ. So to my devout religious friends who may even call themselves Christians, when did you admit to the Lord that you were a sinner and believe on Jesus' saving work at the cross? When did that happen? You have a physical birthday. You must have a spiritual birth day. If I said to you, when, when were you born? Well, it, it just kind of happened. 
You know, it, uh, I just feel like I've always been born. Now, now we laugh, but I've asked folks, so when did you come to know Christ as Savior? Well, I, I've always believed in God. Well, I, you know, I, I, I've, I've, I think I've always been saved. No, 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 no. It's a point in time. The scripture shows this repeatedly. Cornelius will show us this. When you come to the realization you're lost. Because of your sin, you have fallen short of the glory of God. And you cry out to God, Lord Jesus, you died for me. You paid for my sins. You rose again from the grave. Please come into my life. Be my Savior. I'm trusting you alone. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, there are some folks here, perhaps, if we got to watch your life, we would respect your life because you are pursuing God and you're doing religious things. And we're going to see, by the way, God takes note of that. But it doesn't get you to heaven. Now, there's something wonderful that this text reveals. The Lord is sincere about his promises for those who are seeking God for salvation like Cornelius. Let me give you a couple passages. First of all, Jeremiah 29, 13. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Somebody says, how can God send somebody into eternity to hell who has never heard the gospel in, 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 in a mountain region of Haiti or uh, on some other continent. How could God do that? Stop. Wrong question. Here's what God says. If someone there will look at the witness of creation, if someone there will listen to the witness of conscience, because God, who made us in his image, has written his law, basic law, in each of our hearts, if that person will cry out to God and say, I want to know you. That's what Cornelius was doing. God promises right here, Jeremiah 29, 13, I will reveal myself to you. I don't know how many times I've heard stories of missionaries that go to places and they begin to share the gospel and somebody walks up and says this very thing, I have been searching for the God you are telling us about. Did God answer? There's the missionary. Or they heard a radio broadcast. Or they found a gospel, a piece of gospel literature that explained the gospel. Or somebody handed them a Bible. God keeps his word. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 is another passage where Paul quotes Isaiah 49.8. The prophet Isaiah is talking to Israel. But Paul quotes this, and by the way, in our Bible, he is quoting directly out of the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Bible. And he says this to Gentile Corinthians as the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Do you see what ha is happening here? God came to seek and to save everybody, not just a certain group of people. What does 2 Corinthians 6.2 say? For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored, have I helped thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now 
Now, what is understood in the text is that Cornelius was still searching. He had rejected, again, the gods of the Greeks and the Romans, but he also knew that Judaism had left him empty. If you don't know Christ as Savior, but you're pursuing the God of the Bible, you're still empty if you've not been saved. Cornelius was unlike many religious people, though, even people today. He knew his religious works had not brought peace or change. And so he was willing to continue to pursue God. Cornelius in his heart knew there has to be more. There has to be more. By the way, he could look at the Judaizers and see they weren't happy or content either. We can look at illustrations of this from history. May 24th, 1738, John Wesley. He attended a small gathering in London where someone was reading out loud Martin Luther's commentary on Romans. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Wesley had made different trips to the Americas and he had done missionary work in American colonies like the one we know today, South Carolina. So here's a missionary. But what is he doing in this gathering? Listen carefully. He's seeking God because he's empty. Wesley had already done missionary work. And so as he's sitting there, Listen to this man read out of Luther's commentary on Romans. He wrote in his journal later, quote, about a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins even mine, and save me from the law of sin and death. John Wesley points to that day. That's the day I got saved. Sitting in a group of people, and, and as folks looked over at Wesley, they probably thought, he's saved. Wesley knew, I'm not saved. Now, it's important to make a note in your margin if you're taking sermon notes Go over one chapter to Acts 11 and notice down at verse 13. I'm so thankful for my Bible because in other places God fills in pieces of what happened. We're going to get here in chapter 11 later and look at it in more detail, but the reality is People in Jerusalem, Christians, are hearing that Gentiles are now being saved. In fact, Peter has led a Roman centurion to the Lord. And, they've, and the folks in Jerusalem have questions. What is going on? Now, part of the reason they have questions is because they didn't listen to what the Lord said. Ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. That, that had just gone by some of them. And so now they're wondering, wait a minute, you mean a Roman officer has gotten saved? And so they have questions. Peter goes up to Jerusalem. Peter begins to explain to them, and we get to 
verse 11, he's sharing this testimony about Cornelius. Notice verse 11, and behold, immediately there were three men already come unto the house where I was sent from Caesarea unto me. And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words, whereby thou and all thy house shall be, and what's the next word? Say. What did the angel say to Cornelius? You're not saved. Your house isn't saved. You need to hear from these men and they'll explain to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, go back to chapter 10. Look at verse 3. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, that's three in the afternoon, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. Not only does God know you're seeking, but I love this, and I, I, I don't want us to skip over this. Here's the next thing we need to consider. God knows your name. I don't know the name of everyone in our assembly this morning, but God knows your name. In fact, he uniquely created you and he wrote your name in a book in heaven. Now here's what you need to realize. He wants your name to stay there. He gave you life, and he intends for you to turn to him for eternal life, and he wants your name to stay there. Now, the scripture does teach if you reject his salvation, well, I'll work my way to heaven. I'll be religious. I'll be like Cornelius. Do you know what happens when you die? The Bible tells us that the Lord somehow, whether an angel has a divine erase or whatever, your name is erased out of that book. And unless your name is in that book, you can't spend eternity in heaven. Here's the good news right now. God created you. Your name is in that book, and he knows your name. And he is pursuing you. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He knows the name of each lost person who is seeking him. Verse 4, And when he, Cornelius, looked on him, the angel, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? Now at this point, Cornelius is confused uh, about who he's talking to. I think I would be confused. Too. Who are you? What are you doing in my house? Okay. But, but he's been seeking the Lord. He senses this is an answer to prayer. Again, what is it, Lord? Now, this is an angel. And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up. They've ascended like, like a sacrifice. The smoke of a sacrifice ascended up for a memorial before God. Now, let me encourage you this morning. And Christians, we have to be really careful about some of the things we say. Have you ever heard somebody say the only prayer a lost man uh, uh, prays that God hears is be merciful to me, a sinner? 
If you ever, how many of you have ever heard, the only, only prayer God ever hears from a lost person is be merciful to, how, anybody ever heard that? Okay, I've heard that. Guess what? It's not biblical. How do we know? <laughs> right here. Cornelius, who's seeking God, is loved by God. God knows his name. When he offered up those prayers, seeking the Lord, God heard. Now, it is true if you're a Christian and you've got known sin in your heart and you won't repent of that sin, but you're going to go through the motions of praying. The scripture is very clear. God doesn't hear your prayers. Get right with God and then that fellowship is restored and he'll hear your prayer. God hears the cries of those who are seeking him. And every one of us ought to say, thank you, Lord. How many of you prayed a prayer? Don't raise your hand. You prayed a prayer before you were ever saved and said, God, I don't know what's going on. I'm empty. I'm miserable. I'm afraid. Lord, would you reveal yourself to me? Would you show me the truth? Anybody ever prayed that prayer? Did God hear an answer? Amen. This brings us to our final point. Not only does God know you're seeking, not only does he know your name, but God is working his plan to save you. God is working his plan to save you. Do you know that if somebody dies and goes to hell, it is not God's fault. Our sin condemns us, but what we find from the scripture is that God is pursuing you, and if you run in the other direction, that's on you. But God is working his plan to save you. The angel gives Cornelius further instruction, verse 5, and now send men to Joppa and call for one, Simon, whose surname is Peter, verse 6. He lodgeth with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside, and he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Now this would have been a time when Cornelius pauses. Do you know that the Romans despised Jewish tanners? They just had a thing against tanners. Uh, and so... Once again, this is just a, a side note here. Remember when the Lord called another soldier to go to Elisha to have his leprosy healed? And what did the Lord say through Elisha to Naaman? Go dip in this beautiful river called the Jordan. Ugh. It's like playing in a mud puddle. And Naaman is furious. I... There, there are beautiful rivers in Syria. Why do I have to dip in this one? No, if you're going to come to Christ, you are going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to take God at his word and set aside any preconceived notions, whatever it is in your mind that makes you think you've got this figured out. You come to God on his word alone. Now, if religion saved lost souls, there was no need for this conversation. There was more that needed to happen for Cornelius to be saved. Also note that angels don't evangelize. Did you see that? The angel, did he know the gospel? Wouldn't it have been a lot simpler if the angel had just said, all right, we need to talk, get out some paper, take some notes. I've got some things to share with you. 
Angel doesn't do that. He's not called to evangelize. You and I are called to do that. And so here's the message. Send men to Joppa. There's a guy named Simon Peter. He will come and he'll tell you what you need to hear. Next time we'll see that God is preparing one of his servants, Simon Peter, to be the one who leads Cornelius and his household to Christ. Next time we're also going to see Peter had some prejudices that needed to be confronted if he was going to be a witness to Gentiles like Cornelius. Let me ask you, if you're not witnessing for the Lord, why not? He hasn't left it up to angels. He's left it up to you. He's left it up to me. Why not? Could it be that one of the reasons we don't witness is our prejudices? Well, they look like a sinner. They talk like a sinner. They even smell like a sinner. Excuse me? And you were one too. And the only way that they can change is the only way you change, Jesus Christ. Amen. Set aside the prejudices. Well, there, there are certain ethnic groups that they just, they kind of turn me off. Well, you need to turn to God. By the way, if you believe your Bible, they're, they're all your family too. They're cousins. We all had the same set of parents. Christian, God is working on you to make you more of an effective witness as he is drawing souls to himself for salvation. Is there something that you need? How about the fears? Well, Pastor, you just don't understand. I am petrified to talk to strangers about anything, let alone talking to them about the Lord. Change your thinking. Give your thinking to God. Surrender to him. Let him work through you to be a witness. Well, I just don't know that much of the Bible. Stop. Tell them your story. Tell them how you were saved. And by the way, I'm sure you know verses you can share with them to help them come to Christ. Can you love them enough to share your story and to just invite them to be saved? If you were driving down the road and saw somebody passed out along the road with a heat stroke and you had an extra bottle of water in your car, I think you'd pull over. You'd want to help them. You'd want to resuscitate them and, and give them what they needed. Their spiritual needs are far greater. Are you even aware of God's work? Are you yielded to this work? What prejudices might be keeping you from being a witness to someone else? Now notice that Cornelius, or what Cornelius did after the angel's visit. Verse 7. And when the angel had spoken to Cornelius, was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier. Now again, this is why I want to sit with centurions in heaven who were converted and, and talk to them. Devout soldier, do you know what that is saying? Another God-fearer. There's another soldier who is serving this Roman officer, and he too, through Cornelius' influence, is coming to fear God. Of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared, explained these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Now this makes me smile, 
Imagine, all you military people, your CO comes in and says, I've just had a visit from an angel. And here's what I need you to do. I think I need to take this up the chain of command. This is weird. No, they had watched this man's devotion. They obey. But it didn't matter to Cornelius. He had to have spiritual answers, and nothing was going to stand in the way of him finding those answers. What a great text. Now, there are perhaps some listening to my voice today. You're devout, you're religious, but you're like Cornelius. And for you to be saved, one of the first things that needs to happen is you're going to have to admit to God, I'm empty. Right, God? Lord, I do good things, but I'm lost. You need to be saved. God knows if you are seeking him, he knows your name, and your hearing his message is, this message is part of God's plan as he's working to draw you to himself. Will you yield to what God is doing in your life and come to him for salvation? In a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. Don't delay. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. I, I, Cornelius didn't care what anybody thought. He needed to know God. And Christian, God is drawing sinners around you to himself for salvation. Are you willing to set aside your prejudices, your fears, and be his witness? That he may be wanting to use you to be the, the prelude to somebody coming to Christ. Will you be used of him in that way? Can God depend on you for them to hear the gospel through you? Let's pray. Father, you do love the world. You gave your only begotten son. And then you've commissioned those that you have saved to be witnesses, to be light. And Lord, our flesh wants to get in the way of that. There's always a, an easy excuse, a reason why we can't do what we ought to do. But Lord, would you just work in our hearts here now as we close. Father, you know if there are any Corneliuses among us, sincere people, religious people, praying to the God of the Bible, believing truth in the Bible, but Lord, they've never repented and been saved. Help them to come to you now. And Lord, if there's any Christian here who, is, who has their own story, where God, you use somebody to help them be saved, but now they're not willing to share Christ with others. Lord, would you, would you break our hearts about that? Would you remove barriers that are causing us not to be obedient? Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.